RadioInfluence.com. How you doing? How's everybody? What's happening, guys? What is happening? In a good mood today, it's another Rock Stops here. Now, how, if you're new, thank you. If you've been with me, thank you. What I try to do is I try to interview athletes, coaches, uh, former media members, former coaches, athletes. Uh, I'm trying to do a little bit more, trying to get over into that entertainment world. But those that have made it to the top and maybe not at the top anymore, what is like after the top? What was the journey like to get to the top? What piece of advice do you have? You were able to make it to the top of your field. That's kind of the gist of the rock stops here. Where do I go? I go with my recorder, my microphones, and I stop somewhere and, and, and interview those that have made it. Today, he is the radio play-by-play voice of the NHL's Tampa Bay Lightning, and it's his 20th anniversary, 20 years. Now, if you don't know Dave Mishkin, oh, I'm going to do my best here to let him just listen to him, and he goes through his story. It's an incredible story. You might just hear him, you know, screaming when the Lightning score, And he's known for that and this energy and he doesn't try to, he can't, he said he can't mimic that. It it comes when he's focused on the game. He went to Yale University. Very intelligent. Could you get into Yale? Any Ivy League school? (laughs) And that's where the broadcasting bug kind of started. Very interesting story at Yale University with a flyer and this, and that's how he got into radio and then hockey, and then he made his way up and he paid his dues. He was three years in Johnstown with the Johnstown Chiefs hockey team, and then he moved up to the Hershey Bears. He was there for eight years, and then by knowing Jay Feaster, who was the general manager at the time, I know the guy. There's an opening. Boom. He takes the re- he takes that opportunity and he goes with it. And he's been doing lightning radio hockey play-by-play games for 20 years with his partner, the Lightning Hall of Fame, the Hockey Hall of Fame, the Lightning founder, Phil Esposito. Phil Esposito and Dave Michigan, quite a team. The yin and the yang, they it just works. And so we sat down with his dog, Stella, at Amelie Arena during a morning skate, just by ourselves, sat down, and they're practicing hockey. You can hear the sounds a little bit in the background, and it's my pleasure to introduce the great Lightning Bolts hockey play-by-play man, 20 years strong. Here he is, Dave Michigan. All right, I am with the greatest radio play-by-play NHL man ever, ever. The one, the only, the great Dave Mishkin, Tampa Bay Lightning Radio. Dave, how are you doing, my man? I'm great. Quite the introduction, Rock. No, I just got to tell the facts, you know. <laughs> you got you to tell the facts nowadays. It's 2022, you know. Uh, how many, how many years? You're 20-something. How many years doing Lightning play-by-play? Yeah, play? it is 20-something. So I'm coming up on my... Actually, since it's coming up on, we're having we're having a dinner in a couple of weeks 
for employees of the company who are like hitting the the big years, like 5, 10, 15, 20. So I'm at 20, but I got here in August of 2002. So it's a little over 20. So I guess you could say this is my 21st season, but we missed a year. Right. 04, 05. Right. So that to me still counts because I was doing stuff for the team. They kept Rick Chief and me really busy during the lockout because the team was coming off a cup championship and we were going all over town with the cup and trying to basically manufacture events to keep excitement high as there was no hockey for a full season. I really felt bad for Jay Feaster, who was the general manager at the time. You had come off the with Marty and Vinny and Hobby Bullen and and you couldn't. It's just a shame. But 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 that being said, what a run it is. My question to you, Dave, do you have just as much enthusiasm and passion today after 20 years of doing lightning radio? Well, I would go back even farther than than the 20 rock because I spent 11 years in the minors and did college radio for a couple of years as well. I think my enthusiasm has has always remained the same. I mean, look, I was very lucky to find something that I really wanted to do at a young age and then shortly thereafter find somebody to pay me to do that thing, which is not always the easiest thing in the world. So I've been really fortunate to to be able to do something I love to do. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm enthusiastic about kind of getting caught up in the moments of the game. Like when the game starts, I'm invested in the game. And that has been true when I put on the headsets for the first time. And it's equally true today. Now, diehard Lightning fans will probably know your history. But those that aren't this close to Lightning hockey might be surprised to know that you were at Yale and when you went to Yale, it, when you were enrolled as a freshman, this wasn't the goal. Wasn't it kind of a chance thing with a flyer? And you know, am I right about that? When you went to yeah. Yale University? Well, I didn't know what I was going to do when I was 18. I'm amazed by kids today who know prior to getting to school exactly what they want to oh, do. Incredible. I had no clue. I just knew that I had four years of schooling to maybe figure it out. But yeah, I was a sophomore. I was beginning of my sophomore year, and there was a flyer on the dining room table, like in the table in the dining hall. I gotcha. should say not the dining room table. Gotcha. It was the dining room, and there was a table there. But it was a, a community meal place, and so they put flyers on these tables, and it was promoting a radio broadcast of the opening football game of that season, and. I kind of said out loud, you know, that would be fun to do, or I, I might like to do that. And the guy who was handing out the flyer said, well, we have a, a meeting coming up next week for, you know, an introductory meeting. So why don't you come on out? So I did. And that's how I kind of got involved in college radio. I might have found my way there anyway. I don't know. Because uh, <laughs> once I started doing it, I realized that that was what I wanted to do. And my sophomore year, I didn't do a lot of games on the air. We had a talk show. So that gave a lot of different um people experience because you could have four or five people on a show and we we did it monday through friday so everybody got a chance to be on the radio to do actual games though it's mostly the upperclassmen that did it but i was encouraged to to go and practice so i would bring an old tape player and sit in the stands and call the games 
and then listen back to it or give it to to the seniors to to give me some some feedback and by the time i was a junior most of the the people that were involved in the station had been seniors there weren't a lot of juniors my sophomore year so it kind of opened up for my class so i got a lot of experience doing play-by-play my junior and senior years and i was really the only one in that group that had an interest in hockey so i did the bulk of the hockey broadcasts those last two years which gave me a chance to to get some reps and I recorded every game so by the end of it I had enough to put together a demo tape to send out to try and get that first job now the first job was in Johnstown PA legendary oh my god the greatest uh, movie ever you know slap shot um at that point was it like, this is what I'm going to do and I want to work my way up to the NHL? Or were you still not sure? What do you think? Well, I think at age 22, I was feeling thrilled that I had a chance to do this as opposed to something else, right? I think in the back of your mind, you're thinking, yeah, I'd like to work my way up, but that's so far down the road, it's hard to think about that. And maybe some people... In, in that same situation are so solely focused on getting to the NHL that that is kind of front and center in their mm-hmm. in their brain, in their mindset. It was not that way for me. Interesting. Well, I mean, look, I understood that I probably wasn't going to be in Johnstown for the rest of my life. Either I was going to move up or move on. But at that point, I was trying to figure out how to pedal the bike. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. It was more than just broadcasting. It was sales. It was PR. It right, was you do everything promotions. at that level. Yeah, in the minor leagues, the broadcasters do way more than just broadcast. And so I had my hands full to kind of get my feet wet and get acclimated. And so I had the summer. I, I arrived in June right after I graduated. So I had a few months before we actually started having games. So I was doing a lot of the, the stuff outside the booth first. And then when the season started, I was really happy because that was a lot more fun than going out and cold calling for trying to sell advertising. But at the same time, I'd never called. I think we had 68 or 70 games in a regular season. And I never called that many games before in a season. I don't think I'd called that many games cumulatively (laughs) in my time in college. Yeah. So that was that was definitely different. Three games in three nights. You know, you're on the road Friday. You're getting home at four o'clock in the morning and then turning around and having a home game and you're in charge of handling the game notes as they were game notes in 1991 1992 so you learn to kind of roll with the flow of the season which is to say you know you're you're operating on very little sleep often and you still have to try and put together a professional broadcast so like that was what i was thinking about i wasn't thinking boy it would be great to get to the nhl at that point You're just moving from one day to the next, one week to the next, and you're also involved in the ebbs and flows of how your team is doing, which is also more front and center than some kind of far-off professional goal. You know what I'm saying? Right. So Now, now during the offseason, I think even that first offseason, you have your eyes and ears open for opportunities in a higher league. Right. Which might be part of that. 
but I wasn't thinking I would get from the ECHL, which is the league Johnson was in straight to the NHL. So I was looking for the next league up, which was the American Hockey League or the International Hockey League in those days, which was the Hershey Bears. Yeah, and three at years that, later at that. Le- OK, so three years. And at that level, that's a good that's a well-known, very established uh, franchise, the Hod, the Hershey Bears. Yeah. So, I mean, you could probably appreciate this rock when you work in media often you have to go where the jobs are right and you're sacrificing at least at the start geography and salary to get yes. a chance to yes do what you're yes. going to do so the same is is it is true in in play-by-play broadcasting if you're going to work for a team you go where the job is but you also go to the team that has the opening. So it can be in a market that you don't know very well. It also might be a team that is more well-established or less well-established. They're the team that's offering you the job, so that's where you go. And I was pretty fortunate. Like, Johnstown had a rich history of hockey. As you mentioned, Slapshot, which was based on an earlier iteration of a low minor league team. Hershey didn't have any kind of a break. Johnstown went eight or nine years in between teams after the movie came out, actually, in the late 70s. I see. started up again in the late 80s. Hershey had had a team in the American Hockey League continuously since the 30s. Wow. And I got there in 1994. So there was a rich tradition there. So what I'm saying is I didn't pick where I went, but I ended up in a really well-established market with knowledgeable fans like for a lot of the Hershey Bears fans, season ticket holders, going to the Saturday night game and they played a lot of Saturday night games was like going to church on Sunday. Wow. It was just something that was done, whether the team was good or not good. If you're a lifetime season ticket holder, you've seen some really good teams, you've seen some awful teams, but it was like that's where you were going for non-Saturday night home games too, but especially they played probably half their home games on Saturday, if not more. So that's what I went into which is great. Nice. I mean, I didn't have to worry about the Hershey Bears picking up in the middle of the night and moving somewhere, right. maybe with or without me. Right. Right? <laughs> you still have to do a good job. I mean, if I didn't do a good job, I might be, the Hershey Bears might continue, but I might not continue being the broadcaster. So that was part of it. But a lot of it was the same as what I experienced in Johnstown. It was doing sales. It was doing PR. It was doing player promotions. That really doesn't start to to fade away until the major leagues, the organizations are bigger and they don't want the broadcaster doing all these other jobs. They want the broadcaster broadcasting. They want the salespeople selling. They want the PR people doing the PR. It's just different. At the minor league level, staffs are smaller, so everybody has to wear a lot of hats. It's just like that in broadcasting, whether it's radio and TV, the smaller market, the higher up you go, the less that you do but you got to do that one job and do it to the best because you're at that level this is the best part of this uh, rock stops here podcast now we're getting to how did you get the big break in the nhl was it were you looking did they have the opening did you audition how many were up how did you get it i love yeah, this part it's all of the above so i was in hershey for eight years so that's 11 years in the minors wow and I threw my hat in the ring for a lot of NHL jobs that open up because at the AHL level, you're one step away. So a lot of my colleagues, maybe not a lot, but some of my colleagues actually did move up. And everybody who was calling games at the AHL level probably could do it at the NHL level. It's a question of 
being in the right place at the right time and, and kind of having the stars align. And also there's a, an element of personal preference. Like some people might, who are hiring, might like one demo more than another. And, and that comes with it as well. But having somebody, when I say vouch for you, it doesn't, it doesn't really do it justice. But you need to have somebody basically there to advocate for you. And what happened for me was Jay Feaster was the general manager here when the job opened in 2002. He hired me in Hershey. So he had moved up. You might say, boy, that was fortunate. Well, it was. But when you're at the AHL level, you're around people, players, coaches, general managers who do move up. <laughs> so if you're in the AHL for a while, you're going to meet people who then end up in the NHL. That's why kind of being in the hockey world can pave the way a little bit more smoothly than if you're outside the hockey world. Let's say you just worked in broadcasting and you wanted to like jump into the NHL. People may not really know you. When I say know you, it's not how you are broadcasting. It's all the other stuff like work ethic, showing up on time, fitting in with a team. I mean, those are really important components when you make a hire, especially at the NHL level. And so in my instance, Jay Feaster could say, well, not only do I know that this guy can do the job on the air, I hired him in Hershey and I worked with him for four years there. So those are the sorts of things that that you need. And not everybody has a former boss working at the NHL level, but there's usually something that happens that allows that person to distinguish himself or herself. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's the way the world works, right? There are the cases of a tape or a demo that comes in and just blows away the person who is listening to it and that person gets the job. But I think more often it's a situation in which either somebody is there that knows you or somebody is there that knows somebody who knows you and that really helps. No doubt. And then it's the same thing that we talked about. Like once you get the job, or you got the job, but you got to do the job, right? You got to be able to do the job that you're hired to do. And like I said, at the NHL level, I mean, I do other stuff besides broadcasting, but I was hired to broadcast. I wasn't hired to sell advertising. How did you get the word? Do you remember the day? Was it on the phone? Did Jay just tell you like that? Did you end up telling your wife? Can you remember yeah, well, that day? Well, Jay didn't actually do the hiring. So oh. we had a director of broadcasting, Jason Dixon, you yes. might remember. Yes, I do. But I think Jay Feaster brought my demo into him and dropped it on his wow. desk. So, I mean, that had an impact <laughs> for sure. But what happened was Jay called me and said, John Ollers, who was my predecessor here, was, was interviewing for the Anaheim TV job. Yes. He's still in Anaheim doing TV. And he said, get your stuff ready. John Ollers is interviewing in Anaheim and send it to me. So that's kind of how it started. And then, you know, I was flown down for an interview. I wasn't married at the time, but but my wife was, we were together. Gotcha. So we flew down together for post-interview. Actually, I guess I got the offer and then we flew down to, to look for, like look for a place. I see. Here in Pennsylvania. So I see. And I guess I don't really remember the moment that I got the phone. I see because Jason, this is Jason unusual. Be- me, I Jason see. Jason me okay. and said, "We're going to send you an offer in in the mail. This is what we've got for you." 
But he basically said, yeah, you would have really had to have blown this for me not to, not to give you the position. But again, like he had to make sure that I was the right person for the job after I got the job. Right. Made it sound like it was an old boy network. I really don't think it was. I think it was a function of about a thousand games of experience in the minor leagues and having not you know it's kind of funny you asked me about looking ahead of the nhl i think the broadcasters that sometimes get into trouble are those that are not focused on the job that they're doing great now point. great point in the minors and they're more focused on where am i going next i never really thought about that while i was doing the job that i was in and that matters i think that matters did you with your signature calls when goals are scored you're it's unbelievable everybody knows it's a dave mishkin call how excited you get did you start doing that at johnstown and then at hershey is that did you start doing that at yale or was that something oh yeah so i mean i did more than hockey at yale because we did other sports right and growing up listening to announcers my home team announcers, not the national announcers. Sure. I liked announcers that got excited for the team that they were representing. I preferred that. That was my choice. Now, not everybody likes that as much. And national broadcasters who don't have a dog in the hunt, so to speak, or aren't hired to kind of represent one team, they have to call it down the middle. It's different. Now, maybe they get excited for both teams, right? So that was one conscious decision I made. The other was that I was going to be probably on the more uber descriptive side of of calling games, not just for hockey, but especially for hockey because the puck moves so quickly. You don't have to be as descriptive as I am, but I made the choice that I'm on the puck a lot. Other announcers maybe are on the puck a little bit less. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a personal choice. So those were kind of my two, like, roadmap guides when I started which was I was going to be really descriptive and if I got excited I wasn't going to kind of mute that or or lessen that I was going to let that fly gotcha. so to speak. Gotcha. I was going to let her ride and so I probably sound a little different today than I'm sure I do than I did when I was you know 20 years old or even starting out in Johnstown that just comes with kind of your voice maturing a little bit and, and maybe the reps but the level of enthusiasm for important plays, I don't think, has has gone away. Now, do you get people that will, I bet you do, hey, will you give me a lightning goal when they see you? And, and, and you usually are like, no, I saved that for the games. Is yeah, that I it? can't really do it outside of being in the moment, right? I That's what I say. I need to be in the moment. And I do. I'm not, I'm not lying about that. Other people seem to be able to do it, though, not being in the moment. So I tip my cap to them. Now, just a couple more, Dave. Being, can you, I, I'm assuming when you got this gig, yeah, it was great. You knew Jay Feaster. You're in the NHL. You're living in Tampa Bay. But could you have fathomed on how this franchise is looked at as one of the best franchises in all of sports? It's really incredible. That goes back to what I was saying that, you know, you go where the job is and you can't pick the team that you're going to. So I've been, again, very fortunate. So I had one championship in Hershey in eight years and now three with the Lightning. Now, that's 
come over a long period of time. <laughs> I know the two recent ones have been very recent. Right, right. But my second year here was the 04 Cup. Oh, that was only so your I second kind of, year. I kind of parachuted in just as the team was elevating. My first year, the team had made the playoffs once because my first year was the team's 11th season. So in the first 10 years, they'd made the playoffs once. And my first year, they made the playoffs for a second time. Lost to New Jersey. I remember. That was the year they beat Washington for their first ever playoff win. So they were on the upswing for sure. But I also was here for the downward trajectory as well. And I mean, I was here the years that they got the first overall pick to get Stamp Ghost and the second overall pick to get Hedman. Well, you forget you don't about get those that. Picks if you're not really bad on the ice. So it started turning around again, obviously, when Mr. Vinnick bought the team in 2010. And and yes, you know, to, to be a part of a franchise that not only does really well on the ice, but does really well off the ice has been has been an added bonus. But again, I kind of go back to what I said at the very beginning. I just feel fortunate to be able to do something that that I love to do now working with Phil Esposito, the legend that is the Hockey Hall of Famer, the Lightning founder. Phil cracks me up. He tells it like it is. Uh, he can be gruff at times and not waste time. He, I love him. I love him. What has that relationship been like? And did you did it have to build over time? Here he is, a legend. Yeah. What What about that? We'll sit next to Phil. Well, I think that he's pretty much the same off the air as he is on the air. And then you've talked to him enough off the air, Rock. You know that he he doesn't really filter himself on the air, which is I think why he's so he's many so, love him beloved right <laughs> on the air because it's basically as if you're just sitting next to him at a game as opposed to hearing him commentate on the game right and i think we hit it off pretty quickly in terms of building chemistry i think i surprised him with the first goal call <laughs> he wasn't expecting that but he got used to it pretty quickly and now we're like an old married couple i mean we just so funny. i don't know how many games we've called together i mean he's done He's done the home games. He only travels on the road in the playoffs, but we've had some deep playoff runs, even ones that didn't result in a Stanley Cup championship. So we've certainly called a lot of games together that we we know how to read off each other. It's like if you have a co-anchor or something like that in, in your experience right? As, as, right. as somebody in media. So I've, I've loved it. I mean, it's been great being able to be alongside him and – and hear him speak with full candor, you know, and 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 react to what he's seeing on the ice. All right, two more, Dave. How long do you want to continue to do this? Do you think you want to do it until they're going to pull you away? <laughs> uh, what do you think, Dave? Yeah, I don't know. I think I'd answer that question the same way I answered the question about looking ahead to the NHL. I think I'm more looking at what's happening today or maybe not only today but sure. in the near future so you know rick peckham retired at 65 and and he made that decision that he said i want to be able to do other things while i'm still able basically right. you know while i'm still able to travel and you know i want to be able to to go to Wimbledon, you know, or right. I want to be able to go see Michigan Ohio State football, which he wouldn't have been able to do certainly because that is at the same time as the hockey season. So, I don't know. I guess I guess we'll wait and see. I'm in my early 50s, so I mean, you got a long way to go. Sir. Yeah, I I guess I'm not really thinking about that just yet. And you know what Peckham went out 
still on the top of his game. Oh yeah. Sometimes there he are some. He could have stayed around. Definitely longer. That was, I was his actually choice. Like surprised, but other people make the choice to stay longer because they want to keep doing it. Yeah. Right. All right. Last one. I'm sure you get this from a lot of aspiring broadcasters, aspiring maybe play-by-play people or broadcasting in general. What would be the best piece of advice you could get someone that is trying to make their way in this business, Dave? What's the best piece of advice you can give? Well, I think if you have a chance to, to do it, even if it is like I did it when I was a sophomore in college into a recorder... They don't make the same cassette players. No, they nowadays. don't, Dave. No, they make the stuff that that we're it's talking still, on right now. Right. But like, even if it's not going out over the air, you're still doing it and and getting reps. So I I'm a big believer in kind of building up the muscle memory of calling games, and it'll be it'll be like you're your little child growing like you're not going to really notice it day by day but maybe month by month you will or year by year you certainly will when you look at a picture of you know your kid at i'm going back a few years now because my kids are in high school but you know there's a big difference between your infinite two months and and your kid at 10 months right even though you didn't notice your child growing you do grow i think the same thing happens when you're when you're continually getting reps doing it there's no substitution for that the other thing i would say is try and comport yourself professionally and 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 this sounds maybe cliched or old-fashioned but be a good person i mean that is going to go a long way and it kind of goes with are you doing the job you're hired to do or are you looking ahead to the next job a lot of good people might fall into that trap but i think if you treat people well and you kind of cross every T and dot every I and you run out every ground ball, that will go a long way beyond whatever you're able to do in the broadcast booth. And I, I think that that's probably true for, for other fields as well. But it's certainly true in this field because the sort of person you are follows you around and will make you either more hireable or less hireable. The greatest that ever did it, and he's still doing it at a top level. The great Dave Michigan. Dave, thank you for doing this. My pleasure, Rock. Great to see you. And then he was off. He took his dog. He takes his dog to uh, Tampa General Hospital a lot. You know, patients love to pet the dog. And the dog was, he, he did that entire podcast with his dog on a leash, holding his dog next to him. I, I, I couldn't do that. <laughs> so it shows you the calm demeanor. And isn't it amazing on how his demeanor is so low key compared to when he's calling lightning goals in, 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 in the, in the battle of a hockey game. What, what a difference. Isn't that something? And he's like, no, I can't do that. I am sure he gets that a lot. Dave, do that. Do your score. Do the lightning score. Do the goal. No, I can't, you know? But anyway, now, and it's funny too. It shows you how long that I've been around, especially here in this Tampa Bay area. <laughs> uh, because I remember John Ollers, who Dave replaced. And John Ollers used to come on, on the TV show that I did, uh, the Sports Connection on Bay News 9. And I used to bring in guests besides take calls with no delay. Got crank called several times over the years. Fans seemed to love that, especially the curse words. 
dirty stuff, but uh, live on TV, fans love that. You know, yeah, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, <laughs> I've had over the years when I did, it was a live TV show. We were ahead of the game, man. 11 o'clock at night, and it was 10.30, 11. You know what I'm 11 for the majority of the time. I was at Bainers 9 for 18 years, and 14 years we did this live show every night, seven nights a week, and we didn't have a delay system. And when a guy would crank call me and get in over the air, and I took the approach of don't go, oh, stop that. We don't want that. Please keep it clean. You're just fueling the fire. Just pretend like it didn't happen. Maybe look into the camera and then just keep on going. I've had guys call me up over the years. One guy after a uh, Bucks loss and we're taking calls and a guy goes, Rock, I just wanted to beat my effing wife. I'm like, oh my God. Another guy said, hey, Rock, I was at Hooters. I saw the quarterback. He was underneath the table getting a you-know-what from one of the... Yeah, 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 live on TV. And I would just... And then go on to the next one. And it would be one of those things. Fans like, did I hear what... Did I just hear that? You know? But anyway, but John Ollers, really nice guy. And I remember when he came here. And then he moved on. I believe it was Anaheim. He's since done... I think he's done some college football games. John Ollers, who was the previous play-by-play voice of the Lightning. And I saw him for the first time in like 20-some years in a press box. And I went up to him. I can't remember. I think it was at Raymond James Stadium. I think. It might have been at, at, at Amelie. And he's like, oh, my God. How you doing? How you doing? So Dave comes in. And... There you go. And the rest is history. And how he gets along with Phil so good. Phil Esposito is hysterical. Phil Esposito has no filter. He says whatever's on his mind, he can. He's Hockey Hall of Famer, and he is Lightning Founder. They didn't think hockey would work in, in, in Florida with the palm trees and the heat hockey. And he was determined. And he got it done. Got Japanese money, Japanese ownership. Phil tells a story. We said he he went over there to Tokyo and these big money guys and he was able to get the money to start the hockey, you know, NHL franchise. And, and they said, hockey, we thought you said sake. That's Phil's line. You know, it's his funny line. But anyway, it's just an incredible story. And now the Lightning are one of the top franchises in all of sports, the way they run things. And Dave is still going strong. And he has no ego and he's not about himself it's about the broadcast and uh it was just really an honor dave you're the man thank you i respected you for many 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 years and i respect you still going strong you have not lost it a beat and phil is just phil esposito is just crazy oh he is a phil esposito is a ball buster oh my god he loves to bust balls you know, I had a really serious gallbladder operation. Thank God my surgeon took care of it and I made it through and I felt healthier ever since. And when I saw Phil for the first time, he's like, boy, you lost some weight. You know, what happened? I said, oh, Phil, I had this gallbladder attack. It was filled with rocks. Uh, one got into my bile duct. My liver wasn't functioning for two days. I almost didn't make it, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, you know what they say? You know, only the good die young. 
That's why you're still here. You know, there's Phil busting balls. Well, that's why you're still here too, Phil. Phil, Phil looks good, man. He's, I think he is 79 years old. 78, 79, pushing 80, and he is, he's great. And he always would say, we'd say, Phil, do you miss playing? He goes, hell yeah. But I hated putting on all the gear. Isn't that hysterical? He goes, I hated it. It's a pain in the ass. You know what Phil told me? Uh, I would say, now he probably told me this four or five years ago, and it was probably a couple of years, so it might even have been 10 years ago, eight years ago. He went over to Russia for some, again, it's eight, 10 years ago, uh, for some big charity event, and he played in or was there for one of these celebrity hockey games that Putin loves hockey and Putin was playing. And Phil told me in the locker room, Putin had a guy, a handler, that would get down and lace up his skates. That he didn't even, he wouldn't even tie up his skates. Putin had a guy tie up his skates. And this is over in Russia. That's what Phil said. But anyway, Phil and Dave, you guys are hysterical. Keep it going. All right, what else we got? We're well into the football season now. It just keeps these weeks, just keep on moving. Now we're getting ready for Thanksgiving. Like I said on the last podcast, that's one of my favorite times of year. I got to throw the football around this Thanksgiving. I got to do it with my son. Hopefully we'll have a little bit cooler weather. We had our big, 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 humongous family gathering weekend. My daughter had a bat mitzvah. We have raised her Jewish. My wife is Jewish. And she studied, Addie is 13 years old. She studied for one year on how to, you know, learn this entire, she ran the whole service in Hebrew. Total new language. She's 13 years old. And it was over a year over Zoom because there was no face-to-face tutoring. How about, that is incredible. I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I don't like Zoom as it is. Or she had a couple of other uh, sessions on through the phone and to learn a language. But anyway, it was a big undertaking. My wife, she planned, she did the whole thing. She had one woman help, very nice, but really she did everything. She was no party planner and all that jazz. It was a huge undertaking. And my family, who we never get together. My brothers, uh, one lives in Brooklyn. The other, Billy, lives in uh, Lidditz, PA. That's Lancaster, Pennsylvania. His sons, PA, they're all born, they're grown and raised, and they have families. And then their little ones were down here. And both families came together. We had it over on Clearwater Beach. Emily and I had been scouring and scouting for like two years. What would be the best place that we could do where it wouldn't be really, really expensive, but yet an area where both families could just, you know, because when you travel, they've, they've taught me. Emily's mom is like such a great, she's planned everything. Like if you, at, like say you have a big wedding or an event like this, if you're asking family members to fly in and pay for a hotel and pay for their flight, then you gotta, you gotta make sure that you feed them. Not only this that day, but for like the weekend. And we had this place. It, it was unbelievable. 
it was a new hotel, a residence inn, and on Clearwater Beach, and it was perfect. They have a big open space, and it was new. We, heck, we saw, Emily and I saw this thing being built and watched, and then we, we were going to go to a place maybe on Dunedin, not far. That's a nice area by the Courtney, uh, by the uh, Causeway. And then, no, no, and when we saw this, and the and the residents and people they could not have been nicer to us. We had twenty five rooms. We booked a year and a half in advance, so we got such a good rate. And there was a big, huge open space where we had dinner. Emily's mom set it all up. Some Cuban sandwiches, some wraps, coos coos. I mean, you you name it. She did uh, pizza, so many pizzas. They even scoured Clearwater Beach. What would be the best pizza in delivery? Uh, the, the, the after the night after the big party, we had the party during the day. It's like Country Club, and I mean, it was just an incredible. It was just such a nice time, and to see my brothers, we're all on. You know, we're only they're two year, two years and, and eleven months apart those two so we're all real close in age to see their sons have wives and kids and just every they're just good solid it's really it's it's really cool to see you know that's what i hope for my son hunter he's 25 and he is he's a good he's a good young man and we even had a chance to bond uh we drove out to clearwater beach and it's great just like chewing the fat and a lot of times I'll say to Hunter when i on the phone, you know, how you doing? I'm doing great. Just getting some work done. You know, it's really just, it's small talk. But when you when you, when you get to spend some time alone, and especially like it, it would either be playing basketball, throwing the ball, you know, then you find out, well, what, what are you up to? Or a nice little cruise out there, 35, 40 minutes. What's going on? What are you doing? What are you working on? What's going on in your life? And it was just, it was just really, really a nice, great weekend. And then to top it all off, my brother and two of his sons with their families, the other son had to leave to go back to Pennsylvania because he got a new gig so he couldn't take off. They did an Airbnb or VRBO, however you call it, rented a house on Indian Rocks Beach. Now, Indian Rocks Beach is a non-tourist, nice little community right outside of Clearwater Beach. And they don't like rentals. They don't like people that rent. They have signs everywhere. No short-term rentals. Well, this was only a couple of day rentals. But this house was done up redone and i mean it had the beautiful pool and jacuzzi the boat dock canoes there they had uh everything you would want the bunk beds in the one room for the kids everything was new everything was redone they had a golf cart the golf carts are big down here you know the shells are for like the grass there's no grass it's like seashells and you can park and the last night, so they stayed like three more nights, two more nights, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and left Wednesday before the storm last week. And they had, uh, they grilled. Uh, my nephew, he's got an unbelievable man cave outside of Pittsburgh. Uh, he's got a good job 
and he loves his football season. He's got all the TVs. He's got all the packages. He's got a huge area outside for grill, a humongous man cave. I got it. I can't wait to see it. So he did the grilling. And Addie and Emily, my wife had to work part-time at home shopping that night, even after working at the school during the day. And she still wanted to come to see family and to enjoy and being out there. And you're right on the water. You're right on the intercoastal. The water is right there. Unbelievable. But my one nephew, you know, he was in the, these, these kids were overachievers, man. They both got scholarships, VMI, Citadel. They both came out, you know, officers in the service. One was in charge of, you know, this uh, submarine. Another one's been over to Afghanistan. And as soon as they got to the rental and he looked out, he had to dive in. So he just dove in off the, uh, off the dock and when he came up, he cut his foot pretty bad with uh, the, what do you call those things that uh, they're like shells, they're sharp as anything on the pier. And so he had to go get stitches. <laughs> like I told my wife, my wife's side is a female oriented family. And with a daughter, wife, even our dog is female, I have learned with cheerleading, gymnastics, dance, uh, range of emotions. I've learned the female side now. I'm on the female side. Well, look at that on the male side, male-oriented family. He, he's already in the emergency room. He's a grown man. He's in the emergency room getting stitched up. So when I saw him at the house on Indian Rocks, and I looked at he had bare feet walking around. You should see, it looks, he's got quite a few stitches two different rows it looks like a shark bit him in the foot and i said i said brody you gotta go back to pennsylvania and just tell your buddies that you bit you fought off a shark you kicked his ass you got you know he's just laughing you gotta use it you tell that in a bar guy like oh you're bullshitting take off your sock and show him man show him your scars it looks like a shark hit it he really just got it caught uh coming up and and my brother said he was laying on the dock, hosing it, just hosing it down, putting it up in the air. And it's like, oh boy, here we go. Where's the nearest uh, emergency room? <laughs> I remember growing up, man, that was the famous line that my father said. It was my two brothers and me. And that line sticks out to this day. All right, let's go to the emergency room. That's how many times we made trips to the emergency room. I... Uh, I got a I got a false tooth in the front that was knocked out when I was 12 put back up I was in these trade magazines where I put it in my pocket and then I held it for six eight hours and then they actually put it and it held until I was 22 and I was playing basketball and I took a, a uh, elbow right in there and boom and caught it and put I got an old Maryland bridge it's still barely hanging in uh, from ankles broken through ligaments uh, you know, uh, sleigh riding accident, whatever. It was like, let's go to the emergency room. And I was just laughing because here it is 40 years later, you know, uh, maybe even 50 years later, and here's my brother's son who's a grown man, and it's let's go to the emergency room on vacation. But it was great. And what, I, what, I, what I've uh, noticed or thought about is, and this has happened before, I love it. If you're down here in Florida, the key is know somebody 
that has the killer rental <laughs> and go and visit and enjoy the water, the grill, the pool and jacuzzi. Oh, someone that has a boat. Go out on the boat for a day. They invite you on the boat. You have a wonderful time and then it's time and then they got to do the cleanup or maybe you help them. But now that I think of it, a couple of times I've been out on a boat, it's like, oh, thanks, man. Thanks, man. <laughs> but somehow you repay it, whether you buy them beers, you'll, the dinner's on you or the lunch or something. You know what I'm saying? But who wants to clean a boat and, and all that goes with it? It's a lot of work. And these rentals. But what they did was they had three families. And so they shared it three ways. And there you go. And that's the way to do it. So that was, that was, that was pretty neat. All right, so now the Buccaneers, which who are the team that I cover, obviously, back from Munich, Germany. I really love following uh, a couple of f colleagues in the beeswax that made the trip to Munich. I love that. Like, now there's where social media I, I love, whether it be Instagram, even the whole Twitter thing. Oh, my God, Elon, Elon Musk and... I'm not going to pay for a check mark and all this jazz. But anyway, that's when it's good. When you can see like over in Munich, send me, I like keep posting pictures, videos because it's so different. And it was interesting because it was interesting watching the team before they left last week and, and how they prepared man with their sports science stuff on how much sleep they should get don't if you're not tired don't try to take a nap then blah 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 the melatonin these glasses that they give you that takes out blue light they had a guy come in who is one on their sports science staff armstrong i think his name was for i think dave and uh he came in and told us all his reporters in the show that the glasses and he was explaining though that like if you're on your phone or your device and the the light like the blue light that comes from that that goes into your brain like it's you're not going to get as good of a sleep or it's like there is something to that like it's hard are you uh, before I go to bed like I'm still on my phone just scrolling checking things out you know uh, whether it's YouTube or whatever it would be probably much healthier if I put that thing down at like seven o'clock, eight o'clock, and then don't look at it. But it's we're almost 2023. Sorry, I don't think I can do it. I know it's terrible. Some of you probably are not on your phones at all. Are probably like, what's he? He's a weirdo. Yeah, I guess I am. But it was really interesting listening to him on this whole thing with melatonin blue light being on your devices you can we probably slept better back in the day than we do now because we've got everything at our fingertips all righty so that's about it today i'm trying to think is there anything else going on i did i do got a good one coming up it's not long but i don't want to keep going hockey 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 i'm debating on whether or not to go to the super bowl it's in arizona and put in four credentials. I know I'll be able to get a boatload of big name guests 
because we're so far past the COVID now. I know COVID is still out there. I know you can still get it. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying as far as protocols and stuff, boom, done. So there will be a lot of parties, big name guests, uh, athlete, you know, entertainment, A-listers, man, that are going to go to this Super Bowl. It's in Arizona, but it's more spread out than the previous ones, but I'm debating it because I do want to go to the NFL Combine again. That's the end of February, March, and I do may would like to go to the NFL owners' meetings. That was unbelievable, and that's in Arizona. So, I mean, it's it's this stuff's out of my pocket now. So, we shall see, but I certainly would like it. My wife, we're going to be going to Denver to visit a family on her side, David and his family in March. And my wife has put me on that. Like, get on that. Get on that. Oh, that's number one priority. (laughs) Oh my God. Let me tell you this quick little story. And this will be about it. So after the whole unbelievable family whole weekend with everything, my daughter, my son, all both sides of the family partying. Just a wonderful, great time. And then sure enough, back to it on Monday, reality hits. My poor daughter was having such problems with her algebra. She takes advanced courses. Already like high school courses, man. Science, algebra. Algebra is already hard. And her lap, her school laptop, it was just air, air. And the frustration and trying to do it anyway and the crying and at night and I and my wife just said, you better get on this tomorrow. Like to me, you know, because we know I know someone that's high up in the school district and she's like, you better get on this. And when I see that look in her eye. That that to do that honeydew list, that's top of the heap. And I knew I was on my way to go to the fitness center, man, to work out in the morning. And I said, you know what? They were going to school. I'm like, I better get on. I turned around. I came back. I got on it. I made calls. I got through. I got the email. Boom, boom. We're on it. We're on where we contacted the company. Boom, boom. And boom, I was back in business. So I don't know why I brought that up, but when my wife tells me to do something and looks me in the eye and like, is she serious? It's number one priority, boy. I, I got to get that done above everything else. <laughs> oh, and so that's what she said. Work on this Denver trip. Get us an Airbnb, like work on it. All right, all right. Yeah, but what about like Super Bowl? Can I work on the combine? What about uh, NFL owners meetings? What about a trip back to New Jersey? No, 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 no. It better be this. I better get on that. And I haven't done it, so I better. All right, listen, guys. Thank you. Thank you to Dave Michigan, my man. Uh, and we'll see what happens. Where will I stop next? If you haven't subscribed, just boom, click the subscribe button. It comes every every, every week. I've been doing this a year and a half now. The rock stops here. Where am I going to stop? I'm going to stop somewhere. All righty. I was thinking about changing it up. I'm going to keep on going with what we got. All right. And if you if you have any suggestions, you you want to get a hold of me, just go through my social media. All right. Twitter, however long that's going for. I'm not paying. I'm unless I I'm not paying eight dollars. Anyway, at Real Rock Riley, Twitter, Instagram, and Rock Riley on Facebook. 
All right, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I better get to that honey-do list. Number one priority. See ya.